Geopolitics and Empire welcomes back Bob Moriarty, who is a decorated Vietnam veteran who flew over 800 missions and was the youngest naval aviator in Vietnam. He's a successful investor, author, and founder of 321gold.com, 321energy.com. You got to get some of his books if you haven't already. Welcome back, Bob. Well, it's a really interesting time to be back. I mean, there's lots of things that we can chat about. Yeah, and and some of those, you know, uh, as, as you said, there's no shortage of things. The world's just getting crazier, and uh, you know, we could touch on the Great Reset, the war in Ukraine that's continuing, the situation in in Europe. If you didn't know, I'm I'm uh, here with you in Europe now. I'm in Croatia. You're in France. Uh, we could talk about the energy uh, and economy and how things are going in our former home of uh, America. And I thought maybe we could start with the Ukraine uh, situation. Uh, you were discussing uh, before how. The UN Secretariat blocked the visit of the IAEA representatives to the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant. And uh, some people are targeting the power plant, which could give us a second sort of Chernobyl. More money keeps getting funneled from the crooks in Washington to the crooks in Kiev. What's your take on the current Ukraine situation? Uh, As time passes, we learn more and more. And I will credit Ukraine at the beginning. Their control of the narrative was absolutely amazing. The the European newspapers and the European media recognized the corruption in Ukraine uh, prior to the war. And they recognized that there was a real problem with the right-wing Nazis. And these are not neo-Nazis. These are Nazi Nazis. So there was lots of press and there was no question Ukraine was the most corrupt country in Europe. And then Ukraine prepares to invade Donbass. Russia realized it was going to happen and they said, you don't want to do that. And the red line is joining NATO And then on the 19th, well, actually, it goes back to the 16th of February, uh, Biden comes out and says, oh, by the way, we know there's going to be a war. And I was thinking, wait a minute. I mean, even uh, Ukraine saying, no, 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 there's not going to be a war. And Biden's saying, yeah, there's going to be a war. And obviously, his handlers had lost control. But uh, Ukraine was planning to attack Donbass, and and Biden was told about it, so he thought he would announce it to the world. I mean, uh, two weeks ago, he said, okay, we've got another pandemic scheduled. I thought, God, this is really great. We got a president who tells us what the news is going to be a month from now. But uh, Ukraine and the Nazis went from being corrupt criminals to to now, uh, Zelensky has been put up for sainthood by the Catholic Church. I thought, wow, that's really great. I mean, I wonder if they, is there some kind of special dispensation for Nazis? They make them priests or nuns or something like that. So you had this total switch. But as time goes by, we learn more and more. And we've learned that most of the atrocities were committed by Ukraine. Ukraine has had 191,000 casualties 
according to their own numbers. And a casualty means killed or wounded. And, and typically in a war, it would be a third killed and two thirds uh, casualty or wounded. But I think this probably 50 50. I think the Ukrainians have had almost 100,000 soldiers killed. Um, Ukrainians have lost, they have no discipline. They're selling the weapons on on the internet. It, it's just, it, it's turned into a total joke. Uh, Amnesty International did a report and they said, oh, by the way, Ukraine, when you put soldiers in schools and private homes and, and apartments, that's a war crime. You're using civilians as shields. And, and Zelensky said, ah, oh, no, no, you, you can't say that. So uh, Amnesty International actually apologized for catching Ukraine committing war crimes. And I'm thinking, God, if I wrote this in a book, if, if I tried to make it into a movie and gave it to somebody to read, it'd say, are you crazy? That couldn't possibly happen. But it, it's happening. A message from our sponsors. It seems we may be headed for the 1930s all over again. Financial collapse, tyranny, and world war. I've already secured multiple passports, offshore accounts, safe havens, and escaped to the sunnier shores of Mexico. My friend Mikkel Thorup of the Expat Money Show is hosting the Expat Money Summit with 30-plus experts that'll help you reclaim freedom in this fourth turning by moving your life and wealth offshore. Protect yourself and secure a new life abroad. Register now for free at expatmoneysummit.com or don't and enjoy surviving on insect protein while stuck in the metaverse. Since 2020, Ron Unz of Unz.com has argued the COVID outbreak was due to a U.S. biowarfare attack against China and Iran. Jeffrey Sachs, the Russian Ministry of Defense, and others are now making similar suggestions. Weeks before COVID appeared in Wuhan, a top U.S. biowarfare official ran the Crimson Contagion exercise on how to protect America against infection if a dangerous virus suddenly appeared in China. After COVID appeared in Wuhan, it jumped to Iran, infecting Iranian leadership only weeks after America had assassinated Iran's military commander. Iran publicly accused America of an illegal biowarfare attack and filed a complaint with the UN. Ron Unz has produced a free ebook and is available for interviews to further discuss this issue. And don't forget to fund Geopolitics and Empire. You can leave a donation, except on Patreon or PayPal, which have banned us, book a consultation, or become a member. Yeah, and maybe just to look going forward, uh, we saw apparently the Ukraine was attacking uh, Crimea, uh, Russian military installation there. And um, uh, you've also cited Henry Kissinger uh, speaking out where he's uh, discussing that the U.S. is on the brink of war with Russia and China and you know it's it's something we created ourselves. We have no idea how it will end or where it should lead. And again, if, if things just sort of seem to be like in a, a state of war of uh, attrition. Uh, Russia seems to be you know holding on to the breakaway republics. Uh, and I think in another part of Ukraine in the south, they're also going to have a referendum on whether they want to be part of of Russia. So uh, you know, any further thoughts on where how this situation might end uh or if it'll escalate or you know what's your crystal ball say uh 
that's a really good question for two reasons. One of the questions being, would it escalate? Kissinger brought up a really important point, and, and I know this because I was in a war. Wars are really easy to start and really hard to end, and you simply cannot predict anything. When, when I was being taught how to fly the F-4, we had months, years of training. We're going to do this, and then we're going to do this, and then we're going to do this, and then we're going to do this, and hopefully the enemy will surrender. When you actually get into combat, all of the plans that you've made, you should print out and you should put them under your seat because they're a little bit softer than the seat pad in an F4. But you might as well sit on the plans because when the first bullet flies, the plans are worthless. And that's absolutely what's happened to both Russia and Ukraine. Russia had gone to Ukraine and handed out a bunch of money in bribes. And they believed that the mayors and the controllers of a lot of these small towns were, were going to announce that they were for the Russians. And there were a lot of Ukrainian generals who said, yeah, 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 we'll just leave our troops at home. We're not going to fight. Well, when the war started, they found out that all these bribes that they had paid were a total waste of time because, in fact, the Ukrainians did intend to fight. And the guys who were the mayors of the small towns uh, didn't turn over the town to the Russians. So there, there have really been two or three phases of the war. But I will say, when I was in Vietnam, and I was there for 20 months from July of uh, 1968 until March of 1970, I, I flew the F-4 for about six months, and all we were were bomber pilots. And then I flew the O-1 observation aircraft. There's a number of, of telegram channels showing the Russian perspective, and I have seen dozens of attacks where they're using drones to control artillery and rocket fire. And I'm telling you, it's the most terrifying thing that I have ever seen. And I can tell you flat out, the American military wouldn't last five minutes being attacked the way the Russians are attacking uh, Ukraine. And, and I feel sorry for the Ukrainians. Zelensky evidently wants to fight the war uh, to the last drop of, of blood of Ukrainian soldiers. There is no chance whatsoever Ukraine will win. They lost control of the air in the first two or three days. And it's going to be one attack after another attack after another attack. And the Russians are, are slaughtering the Ukrainians. And I, I would highly suspect somebody in the military is going to assassinate Zelensky very soon. Now, if you look at his perspective, he thinks it's wonderful getting billions of dollars in arms because two thirds of it is being stolen or blown up before it gets to the battlefield. 
Zelensky's making out like a bandit, which of course he is, and uh, hundreds of millions and billions of dollars in in arms and weapons are being stolen. And maybe to turn towards uh, the Great Reset, our last chat was um, very popular. Tens of thousands viewed it and watched it even without YouTube. Thank you for getting me a strike on YouTube. Uh, but no, no, no worries. It's a bad, it's a bad. No, no, no. You, you, you deserve it. It's absolutely a badge of honor. It's like kind of a, a mini purple heart. Yeah, ex exactly. A, a virtual mini purple uh, heart. And so it, your, your thesis previously, you, you said that Putin was fighting against uh, the Davos crowd. And I'm still kind of on the fence, but just related to what you said, Putin, I, I saw a video clip today. I guess it's fresh where Putin said something to the tune of, quote, it's evident Western globalist elites are attempting to distract their own citizens from dire socioeconomic problems. They blame their own faults on uh, Russia, China, who are building a sovereign policy that does not bow to the dictates of the transnational elites. So he is outright speaking against uh, uh, the globalists. And so any further thoughts on Cobra Commander Klaus Schwab, Davos, uh, how, you know, and how the reset, uh, the Great Reset is, is going? Well, I, I would love to call the Great Reset a, a conservative uh, conspiracy. But unfortunately, they're doing it right out in plain view. And I will tell you, one, the Great Reset is going to fail throughout history. The rich and the powerful and the elite have always believed they should totally rule. And the problem with it is they're just as dumb as you and I are, and they screw it up like everybody else does. This idea that you're smarter because you're rich, it's a great theory, but it's not true. So there is a conflict now between those who want freedom, and I would put, believe it or not, I would put Putin and China in the same boat and those who intend a totalitarian government. The Great Reset is failing, and they're getting more desperate. Now, Antifa, BLM, climate change, the election, uh, COVID, the war in Ukraine, these are all part of exactly the same battle. Now, I'm going to read something to you. I'm not even sure you're aware of it. You're very literate. Canada announces digital identity program in partnership with WEF. Klaus Schwab has bragged on YouTube, and anybody can look it up, it's not a right-wing conservative uh, conspiracy theory. Schwab brags about having infiltrated most of the governments of the world. And here's a picture of Klaus Schwab and the Prime Minister of, of Canada, who, who's going to change its name from Trudeau to Castro because people have finally figured out who Daddy is. But uh, the idea that Canada, here, here's what they're going to do. They're going to do the same thing with the farms that Germany and Spain and Ireland and the Netherlands are doing, we're going to cut down the production of food in the middle of a food crisis. 
so there's not as much nitrogen generated. Well, nitrogen is 78% of what we breathe. The idea that farmers are somehow destroying the ecology, it, it's so absurd, I can't believe that anybody believes it. But the CO2, which used to be, oh my God, you know, we can't have plants producing CO2. Uh, excuse me, plants need CO2 to produce oxygen, but that's just uh, one of those meaningless facts. Klaus Schwab brags about having infiltrated 3,800 people into governments around the world. Macron was part of it. Putin was part of it. The prime minister of Canada was part of it. The prime minister of New Zealand was part of it. And the interesting thing is none of these people have been elected to office on the WEF but they have an enormous impact on what's going on in these countries. Now, here's another one. If if killing farming doesn't scare you, a digital identity program doesn't scare you, World Economic Forum wants to use artificial intelligence to automatically censor speech on the Internet. Now, do you know what that would do to you and me? You got it. But here's what's beautiful. They would not do what YouTube and Twitter do. They wouldn't censor you after the fact. They would censor you before the fact. As soon as you use the C word, okay, uh, it's crazy. The World Economic Forum is losing. They're desperate. They want to control the world. They want to depopulate the world through the C word. There is something new called SAD. Have you run into that? Sudden adult death. Millions of people are keeling over and dying. And the doctors can't figure out what's doing it, which I find very interesting. Like, what the fuck did these guys go to med school for? I, I sent you a number. And the number scared the hell out of me. If you took children in the United States who suffered from myocarditis age 12 to age 20, in the year 2020, there were four children who had myocarditis. In the year 2021, there were four children who suffered from myocarditis. Uh, Through August of 2022, there are 2,236. Now, myocarditis is uh, a a heart issue. I'm not going to go into it technically because I'm not qualified. But basically, if you get myocarditis, your chance of surviving uh, for more than five years is only about two thirds. Third of the people who get myocarditis are going to die within five years. And of course, the mystery is, Jesus, what changed between 2020, 2021, and 2022? And of course, nobody can figure that out. You don't dare say it, because if you say it, you get bounced off YouTube. Yeah, and I was looking at Steve Kirsch. A lot of people are familiar with him, and he just put out, like today, uh, an article saying 
you know how many people have been killed worldwide by their governments from the uh you know the the, the thing and he says it's around 12 million that's for 40 times the number of americans who were killed in world war two uh, uh and you know I, I, as many people now I'm, I'm hearing it myself now it's getting closer and closer to home family members that are now having uh adverse effects uh related to this even you know even even one family member's uh, physical therapist doctor the doctor himself uh, who took the shot says i'm not taking any more shots and he's having problems uh now and and maybe to get your further thoughts on just if you just extrapolate how do you see things going from here you said they won't succeed but um you know we we see cu- countries continuing to collapse sri lanka panama malawi i think the latest was sierra leone they had cost of living protests 16 people uh, died so i think this is going to continue you've been talking about famine my recent guest michael uh yawn was very adamant about a global holodomor uh and so you know any, any further thoughts on just what the near future holds in terms of uh, economy famine and the energy issue as well you know the the the, the people say the w- europeans especially are going to freeze this winter so what's sort of your take uh, on the road ahead Okay, now I, I'm going to take credit for this. And if anyone doesn't believe this, they can go to Amazon or they can go to Lulu and buy the book, uh, The Art of Peace. And on the very last page of The Art of Peace, I predicted a collapse of the banking system and the world's first worldwide revolution. Now, now candidly, let me ask you, have you ever heard anybody talk about a worldwide revolution ever maybe in recent times I, I i but maybe not as early as when your book was uh published yeah the the book came out in 2016 okay and and in 2016 or 17 or 18 or 19 or 20 nobody was talking about a worldwide revolution we've had a collapse of government in italy we've had a collapse in government in the uk the entire japanese government has resigned. Netherlands, okay, the farmers are blocking the roads. There are riots in Germany. There are riots in Spain. There are riots in Italy. Now, here's the good news. It has just started, okay? When the world wakes up to the depopulation plan, and it is a plan, and it is not an accident, of the Davos crowd and Soros and and Klaus Schwab and Bill Gates, when they wake up to the fact that they're being deliberately murdered, you think they're pissed now? They're going to be really pissed. Now, let's talk about Germany, which is absolutely dependent on Russian gas. One of the things that I sent to you was a comment that came from me. It's very important for your listeners to understand Europe needs Russia, okay? That is not an opinion. That is a fact. Russia, however, does not need Europe. You can't go to Moscow and buy Big Mac anymore. But they're going to survive, okay? They're actually making money hand over fist. On the 1st of March, I said the sanctions 
were the EU, the United States, and NATO committing suicide. And everyone recognizes now that the sanctions are committing suicide. And I read something today that was funny because it's so ironic. A German politician essentially said this was in Der Spiegel, okay, which is their leading uh, news, or not newspaper, leading magazine, said they need to teach Putin a trick and they need to open Nord Stream 2. And, and I'm going, damn, you know, he had all of March to think about that and April and May and June and July and half of August. And it finally occurred to somebody in Germany, gee, you know, he spent $3 billion dollars on Nord Stream 2, why don't we turn it on? I I will make a prediction, okay? And, and Germany has two paths that they can take now. They can take the same path, which would be to say, let's teach Putin a lesson. Let's get rid of the sanctions. Or they could take the insane path, and that is, we're really hurting Putin. He can't go buy a Big Mac, okay? And he can't use his Visa credit card. So the hell with our people freezing or starving. And here's what's scary. And this is a prediction. We're going to have some of the most significant changes, the most rapid changes in world history in the next three to six months. If Germany doesn't pull her head out of their ass and open Nord Stream 2 and get reasonable with the Russians, there are going to be tens of thousands of Germans either starve to death or freeze to death. Now, I, I've got a chart here somewhere. Let me see if I can find it. The cost of electricity in France and Germany is up 900%. So your choice is simple. You can heat your home with gas, and that's up 1,000%. Or you can heat your home with electricity if they can produce it, and that's up 900%. But it's probably not going to work with electricity. Are you aware what's going on with both the Danube and the Rhine River? Oh, yeah. Well, something about the water levels being low, right? Well, it's not low. It's catastrophically low. They can no longer move bulk cargo down either the Rhine, which is the most important river in Europe, or the Danube. So moving grain or moving coal is out of the question. There's two kinds of problems. There are problems caused by external events, and that would be a giant drought. Uh, and there's problems caused by internal events, which is the stupidity of, of things like sanctions. Now, uh, people like to blame climate change for the drought, but droughts have occurred throughout history. There's a 700-year drought going on in the southwest of the United States right now, and Lake Mead and Lake Powell are absolutely at critical levels. And the federal government has told seven states, okay, you guys need to sit down and figure out how to cut uh, your water consumption down. 
uh, Lake Mead and Lake Powell survive or provide water to 40 million Americans, water and power. And if if the Colorado River dries up like the Rhine and the Danube has, it, it would be a catastrophic uh, event. But uh, there, there have been droughts in the Middle East. There are droughts in Africa. There's droughts in Europe. We've had near record highs in Europe. You know that because you've been in Europe. And those things happen. And there's not very much you can do. You can try to prepare in advance, but okay, you've got to have a plan A, a plan B, and a plan C. But when you combine that with the stupidity of sending weapons to the most corrupt country in Europe uh, to fight a proxy war against Russia, uh, you're just being plain stupid. Now, another thing that I sent you was the insanity of the United States fighting against China and Russia at the same time. I will tell you, as a guy who was in the military and was in combat, if the Chinese wanted to take out any American aircraft carrier within 500 miles, it, it would be simply no problem whatsoever. Uh, aircraft carriers have about 5,000 people on them. And they've got weapons that the United States does not have a defense against. If China decides the United States has crossed a red line, uh, 5,000 American kids are going to die. And uh, maybe to turn towards the Banana Republic uh, of the U.S., which uh, you also sent uh, a piece from the, the Spectator, how Biden's uh, America is rapidly deteriorating. Uh, not only have we had so many issues with President Trump, Trump in the recent past getting deplatformed, the issue with the, the, the elections, and now uh, him being raided, his passports being confiscated, uh, 87,000 new IRS agents being hired, uh, on and on and on it goes. It really feels like America's falling into uh, tyranny. Uh, you know, any further thoughts on, on this situation uh, at home? Well, uh, one of the things that I try to do in my book, and, and I say this, and I'll continue to say it until the day I die, there are no gurus, there are no experts, okay? The very best you can ever do is learn to think for yourself. There are 80,000 IRS special agents the idea of hiring 87,000 more IRS agents and require them to be capable of using deadly force, okay? I, I, I don't want my accountant to be faced with an IRS agent with an M4 submachine gun we are falling into exactly the same trap the Romans did. Now, were you aware of who the tax collectors were in the Roman Empire? Were they private, I think? Exactly, exactly. And my, my point exactly. They would give commissions to private citizens and to private companies to go collect taxes. And the, the company would keep a percentage 
of what they collected. Okay, and these guys would walk in. Of course, they didn't have some machine guns. And they'd walk in with a squad of guys with spears and, and knives and swords and say, well, we think we need that, and we need that, and we need that, and we need that. What would you say to them? Oh, okay, take it. So what would happen was people would do their very best to hide their wealth, and uh, the, the government created a problem here's something i don't think i've ever heard anybody talk about but i think it's important for your listeners to understand revolutions are not caused by five or six guys sitting in a bar having a beer or two or three and saying hey i got an idea why don't we have a revolution okay that and how revolutions start revolutions start when you got 87,000 IRS agents, all of whom are armed, who, who want to pay the debts of the United States that cannot simply be paid, okay? That's an important issue to understand. There's $300 trillion in debt in the world. Can that debt be paid? No. Nope. No. Okay. So uh, the United States can have 87,000 agents trying to collect a portion of $300 trillion that can never be paid. We need to have a solution other than IRS agents who are armed and willing to use those arms. We need to write the debt off. It's called Jubilee. Now, what the Chinese and the Russians are doing, they're saying, look, the debt-based system of, of the West, which goes all the way back to Greek and Roman times, is passe, okay? It doesn't work. And we need to have a reset uh, financially, and we need to go to some kind of resource-based currency, and that's a good idea. Now, when you get into Trump and the FBI, wow, okay, I, I read about that and just went, holy shit, what on earth have these idiots done? And, and Garland is a real piece of work. OK, he, he comes out, and says, OK, we're going to be 100 percent transparent. And we want it obvious. We want the American people to know why we went after a former president of the United States for the first time in American history. And I thought, wow, that's really cool. I'm glad he's doing that. Well, today he's saying, well, the transparency, of course, has to be relative. Okay, it's kind of a limited transparency because we don't want to actually give the reason for why we did this. There were FBI agents who were being investigated for their parts in the Russiagate scam who were part of the team who did the raid. which is kind of like when the FBI investigates a bank robbery, they make the bank robber part of the investigating team. I, I just went, wow, okay? Now, you don't have to like Trump, okay? You don't have to like Biden, but there are limits to what government should do, and I'll point something out. Are you aware the FBI has always been dirty? 
Yeah, I mean, there's that history going back to, to Hoover. So they've been sort of like a, you know, KGB or, or whatever. You they know. are now. Yeah. Oh, okay, they make no bones about it now. The whole Russiagate thing, uh, even the New York Times has finally came out and said, oh, yeah, Hillary Clinton made that up because she didn't want to explain why she lost the 2016 election. Uh, do you know why she lost the 2016 election? She was the most hated candidate in American history. And there has been interview after interview after interview uh, with people. And the real reason people voted for Trump, Trump had far more to do with them hating Hillary Clinton because of her corruption. OK, so she wanted to blame it on something else. So she gets together with the team, and say, look, why don't we just blame the Russians? I mean, that's a handy thing to do. But the DOJ and the National Security Administration and the FBI were part of that scam right from the beginning. And, and that's really scary. That's the equivalent of, of the Praetorian Guards, okay, who started out as as security forces to protect Roman generals, and then it turned into security forces to protect Roman empires. And by the third or fourth century, it got to the point where they were the ones deciding who was going to be emperor. And that's exactly where we are today. It doesn't make any difference what you think of Trump. When the FBI decides it's their job to decide who the president of the United States is, I'll be real candid. You get idiots who are senile, like Joe Biden, or total fools, like Kamala Harris, or drunks, like Pelosi, okay? And if you think about it, that's number one, number two, and number three in the line. I'm thinking, my God, what on earth does the rest of the world think of these three fools running the country? But here's what's really happening. Who actually makes the decisions? Who runs the United States government? Some deep state somewhere. Well, what's your thought? Not, not deep state necessarily. They happen to be deep state, but it's the bureaucrats, okay? The 1% or 1.5% of people who are actually elected, okay, are the visible part of the government. But the fact of the matter is it's the underelected uh, bureaucrats. I remember one of the FBI agents, and I wish I could quote it because unfortunately my memory is not that good. One of the FBI agents involved in the whole Trump scam came out and said, I, I'm the guy who made sure Trump lost the election in 2020. I said, God, that's unbelievable. We've got a government official saying I prevented the election of one of the candidates for, for presidency. I don't give a damn whether people like Trump or whether like Biden. The United States is in a, a state of collapse, okay? It's like Rome in 400, okay? Everything was fraud. The money was fraud. The judiciary was fraud. The healthcare system was fraud. The elections were fraud. Uh, the education system was fraud. And we're there. Okay. And it, it happens. Every 
civilization that ever gets the world reserve currency has it for about 80 years and they get so corrupt. But I'm just absolutely astounded at what I see. And, And I just have very deep faith that as effective as the World Economic Forum believes they are, and they believe they're effective, you get these bozos like like uh, Justin Castro. What he did with the truck drivers was the kiss of death for democracy in Canada. And a lot of Canadians woke up to the fact that they didn't have a democratic government and they didn't have a government that was ruled by law. They had a dictator. And he's just as big a dictator of Canada as his daddy was in Cuba. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned Pelosi, 82 year old uh, Pelosi. New York Times just put out an article talking about how who's going to possibly replace her. Her daughter, Christine Pelosi. So talk about oligarchy uh, dynasties. You know, it's from the 80s. We got Bush, Clinton, Bush, Obama, Clinton, um, you know, Biden, Clinton. You know, the Pelosi's just continue. It's it's funny how they point the fingers to the rest of the world when we are no uh, better. And maybe to get your thoughts, last time you talked about raising chickens, uh, which is a great idea. I'm here in Croatia where sheep uh, are more common. So maybe I'll buy some. Uh, sheep and become a shepherd like my uh, forefathers uh, and you know ma- thoughts on perhaps for people listening they always are asking me relocating uh, you're in Fan- france i'm in croatia so we're in europe but a lot of people are saying you know europe's a bad place uh, to be but you know for me it's it's home it's croatia is a very rural country it's safer than mexico mexico is getting pretty dangerous right now and so you know sort of your thoughts on weathering uh the storm economically financially you know re- in terms of relocation geographically um you know gold and silver and, and that sort of thing uh that that's a really good question because obviously i've spent a lot of time thinking about it uh my wife and i 15 years ago looked at what was happening in the united states 15 years ago and said you know the, the country is absolutely on the wrong path and it, it's going to become dangerous and we need to get out while we can. And we moved to Grand Cayman and we lived in Grand Cayman for about 10 years. And, and the problem is we realize uh, Grand Cayman gets 98% of its food through Miami. So if you have a bad hurricane, for example, uh, you could have an island that would be on the verge of starvation. Uh, if you have political issues, obviously you've got problems there too. So we decided to consider Europe. We looked at South America and for the reason you said, for political and uh, uh, crime reasons, we, we rejected that. Uh, my wife was British, but she was really smart. And she said, England's too damn cold. <laughs> England is too damn cold. I couldn't live there. It's not as cold as, say, Germany or even where you are, but it's a nasty, wet, damp cold. And, and we, we rejected the UK. Uh, I, I had considered Portugal. We looked at Switzerland, and Switzerland's just altogether too expensive. But 
there are things, and I'm as serious as a heart attack about this, there are exceptionally dangerous things happening right now, and people should consider uh, their future safety. Uh, there's a good book out right now, and he talks about the demographics of Germany and the demographics of Europe. And he says, you know, from an economic point of view, they're they're really in deep, serious trouble because the Europeans are not replacing the people who are dying. There are going to be big changes next 40 or 50 years. Now, that doesn't affect me because I'm going to be around here 40 or 50 years from now. But uh, from a safety point of view, the war in, in uh, Donbass and Crimea and Russia and Ukraine should warn people this is a particularly dangerous time. And you could see the stupidity of governments. I, I can't think of any European leader, perhaps Hungary, who's saying we need to be thinking about peace. We need to be talking about peace. Schroeder came out. He's a former chancellor of Germany. Schroeder, the former prime or chancellor of germany came out and said you know we need to do something about russia we need to talk to russia but there are no serious po politicians in europe who are saying they want to do something russia is going to win the war however there is going to be severe inflation there's going to be a worldwide revolution there's going to be severe famines due to the stupidity of, of idiots like uh, the Netherlands, like Ireland, like Spain, like uh, Italy, uh, reducing nitrogen. We have a, a famine issue now. Why would you reduce uh, the amount of food being produced? There are empty shelves in the United States, and I've never even heard of that. The United States is a filthy rich country. You can buy anything at any time uh, except baby formula. How the fuck do you run out of baby formula? Give me a break. You're in an area, and I'm gonna I'm gonna compliment you. I I've been to Eastern Europe, a number of countries in in Eastern Europe, Montenegro, Albania, uh, Bulgaria. Uh, you can buy a small farm in Eastern Europe. For about $25,000. And everybody has done the same thing as they've done in Western Europe. They've moved to the big cities. Now, I happen to live in a little tiny village. And I do that deliberately. I, I don't want an immigration problem. I don't want a crime problem. And like, I'd like to be around source of food. And Eastern Europe is, is very attractive. I, I did an interview a couple of days ago when we were talking about the, the drought problem in the West. And the person that I did the interview with was living in Phoenix. I just thought that that would be like ground zero. So um, you're in a safe area. I, I think people should consider when the economy collapses, and this is not if the economy collapses, the government of the United States, the governments in Europe, the World Economic Forum 
are deliberately trying to crater the world's economy. And because they will not address the central issue, which is the issue of debt, the world's economic uh, condition is going to deteriorate. Believe it or not, it's going to be better to live in Russia or China. Okay, and I wouldn't particularly want to live there. But at least they're going to have an economic system that has some sanity to it. And the economic system of Europe and the economic system of Canada and the United States and Australia and New Zealand simply make no sense whatsoever. I, I believe, and I use this term in an article recently, we're at peak insanity. I cannot imagine becoming any more insane than we are. Let me give you an example. The Supreme Court came up with the issue of abortion. And, and nobody wants to admit this because they didn't actually read what the Supreme Court said. Supreme Court said that the Constitution does not guarantee the right to an abortion. It is not a federal issue. It is a state issue. And from a legal point of view, that's very important because it happens to be true. There isn't a word in the Constitution that gives you a right to an abortion. Kamala Harris was speaking in front of a group, and these are her words. I am a woman. My mother was a woman. My grandmother was a woman. And it, here's what's amazing to me. It's just I couldn't believe my ears. That was not in her resume. It never occurred to me that she was a woman. And not only was she a woman, her mother was a woman. And not only was her mother a woman, her grandmother was a woman. Damn. You know, why didn't they run on that platform? Well, I mean, I, I was just reading last week, the Telegraph, uh, UK Telegraph was saying, Queen Elizabeth I was non-binary. So the whole Western world is just going nuts, as you said, peak uh, in, insanity. And yeah, I don't know where we go from here except off the cliff. Um, do you have any other issue or topic that you, you know, that was front and center that you wanted uh, to mention or, or any other, you know, final thoughts for us? Well, I, I will mention because it, 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 it's part of what you just said. I, I read a lot. I, I'm educated. Uh, I'm relatively intelligent. I'm not real sure of what non-binary is. Okay, they've got like sixty-seven variations of uh, sex now. It, you can be a girl in a boy's body, or a boy in a girl's body, or a switch hitter. Or, They've got more definitions of wokeism. I, I didn't even know there were like 67 different positions, much less categories. Uh, we, we've gotten into some things. We don't want to offend transgender boys, so we let them use the women's restroom. 
Now, transgender boys are about 1% of the population. So to avoid offending 1% of the population, we offend 99% of the of the population. That's pretty close to peak insanity. And, and the good news is, and this is very important for people to understand, all things change. As bad as it is now, uh, when you go from peak insanity, the only direction you can actually go is to more sanity. And we'll do that. And there's a lot of people who are kind of floating to the surface who make sense, uh, who, who think logically, who want to do rational things. I, I would love to see some real leadership from Europe. Now, some of it may be coming from Eastern Europe. I don't see any of it in Western Europe. Uh, the debt-based system is ending. We're going to a whole new world economically, which is very important. The power is going to transition to the east by probably 5,000 uh, kilometers. And I think that 10 or 20 or 30 years from now, that's a good thing. Enough people are, are waking up to the insanity of the World Economic Forum that they're going to be in a rapid decline very soon. So the good news is that there are there is good news coming someday. Yeah, and you're uh, optimistic, very chipper. That's good for uh, our, our listeners uh, as well to uh, to be more uh, optimistic in in the face of everything that we were just talking about, uh, and as well this um, trying to please the one percent and defend the ninety nine percent. I just read in uh, neighboring Serbia they had there are plans to have a, a Euro Pride parade, and fifty thousand plus uh, Serbs are marching. Uh, against this, against this traditional way of life. I mean, I think if you ask here in the Balkans, as you said, like 95% of people, uh, you know, are offended by this globalist woke uh, ideology and um, val values they're trying to uh, impose uh, upon us. And uh, again, the, the website is 321gold.com. You've, you've authored a number of books, uh, w w which I own and I have read and I highly recommend, um, you know, if you want to tell us, the, again, the best places uh, to find you uh, online or any other project. Uh, yes, Amazon. And, and here's what I'll say. And, and I'm, it's not because I have a big head, even if I do have a big head. Uh, the books cover a variety of subjects. Uh, the Art of Peace covers my experiences in the military and uh, nobody knows anything and basic investing in resource stocks are good books to read about learning to invest in a sane way. And another book that I wrote, I didn't write under my name, but uh, under Thomas Paine's name called Common Sense 2.0. There are solutions to all these problems. But you cannot solve a problem until you identify the problem. And, and institutions in the West categorically refuse to discuss the real issues. And until they do discuss the real issues, uh, there are going to be severe problems. Now, I don't want to see people starve or freeze in Germany. 
but it's going to happen. It's not going to happen because of me. I'm trying to prevent it. But it's going to happen due to the stupidity of government. And if it takes a worldwide revolution to uh, change the world, then that could be a good thing. All right. It's always great to catch up with you, uh, Bob, out there in France. Uh, be sure to bookmark 321gold.com and check out some of Bob's books. Thank you uh, for being on Geopolitics and Empire again. Uh, you have a great website. I love your website and I love your authors. And it is an honor for me to be interviewed. I hope you enjoyed this Geopolitics and Empire podcast. The website is geopoliticsandempire.com. And I encourage you to sign up for the free email list that goes out with each podcast and every weekend with a collection of news headlines. The newsletter and website are our last lines of defense. We're being censored and deplatformed. It's nearly impossible to find Geopolitics and Empire on the Google search engine. We've been blacklisted. YouTube frequently takes down our videos with strikes. Facebook restricts our page. Reddit and Twitter take down posts. And after the Associated Press mentioned Geopolitics and Empire in a 2021 article co-written with NATO, our Patreon account was terminated. Vimeo also terminated our Pro account. The best free way to help Geopolitics and Empire is to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or elsewhere and subscribe to all of our media channels. You can find the video broadcast now on five platforms, Odyssey, Rockfin, Rumble, BitChute, and Brighteon. You can find the audio broadcast on the podcast ecosystem, SoundCloud, Apple, Spotify, and so on. My current favorite social media channels are Twitter and Telegram, but you can also find us on Gab, MeWe, Minds, Float, VK, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Finally, Geopolitics and Empire is in dire need of funding to continue. You can leave a donation, purchase a consultation with the host, or become a member to receive additional benefits. We also produce a weekly broadcast called Dissident Thinker for members and Rockfin subscribers only. We will continue to fight the good fight come hell or high water. Thank you for listening.